Thanks to all the newcomers for joining. We'll be kicking off here in about two minutes. So go grab a coffee or tea and we'll dive into Akash GPU testnet updates. All right, looks like we have everyone here. Chang, can you hear me all right? I can. Can you hear me? Excellent. Okay. Yep, you're good to go. And Greg, let's make sure your audio is working. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, loud and clear. Excellent. Cool, so I think we can kick things off. Thank you all for joining today's very special Twitter Spaces event. My name is Adam Wozny and I head up community for Overclock Labs. So today I'm joined by three very special guests. I think you all know them, you all love them. First up, we have Greg Osuri, CEO and co-founder of Overclock Labs. And then we have Anil Murdy, head of product for Overclock Labs. And finally, Chang Wang, CFO of Overclock Labs. So today we're gonna to be covering some updates all about the uh, Akash GPU testnet currently underway. Um, we're hoping this will be a fairly informal Twitter spaces. So if you have questions throughout today's event, feel free to make a speaker request and we'll get you jumped in. Um, we have a lot to cover today. There's all sorts of great updates, all sorts of news about the Akash GPU testnet. So I wanna hand it off to Greg Rissuri, co-founder and CEO of Oracle Labs to give some updates and some historical precedents on all about the Akash GPUs. Go ahead, Greg. Thank you so much, Adam. Uh, super excited. If you're finally here, we are finally at a moment of being able to test these GPUs in the wild and with the people, right? So this has been in the works for a very, very long time. For those of you that's been around for a long for a while, know that Akash, uh, we've been, you know, talking about GPUs, the importance of GPUs, and the impact of these, um, the the scarcity of GPUs on AI, and how a secondary market will solve them for years, right? So our white paper we published in 2018 talked about this problem uh, very vividly, right? Uh, in 2018, we also introduced the idea of a super cloud, right? So super cloud was relatively unknown concept. Uh, back then, but we, uh, you know, saw the potential in a super cloud and uh, really laid out a plan on how we can achieve a a decentralized super cloud in a white paper. And uh, you know, uh, three years later, we went and launched and 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 showed the world how a decentralized super cloud would look like. And today, um, and in this this latest milestone with miles with with mainnet six, we're finally able to you know, showcase what the real power behind a super cloud comes in when, when you have such an incredible opportunity to solve the supply chain problem for AI, right? So we're in a pinnacle moment with Akash, um, where the GPUs are, you know, part of our long roadmap to achieving what we call the cloud parity, but an important uh, milestone, however, 
and uh, and uh, if you recall the the way we put the roadmap together was to deliver critical uh, functionality at uh, in order to address a critical market problem right so initially when we launched the mainnet we kept kept it extremely ephemeral uh, applications only meaning that you will not be able to do anything that has state heavy like nodes or or database and whatnot and that was important to uh, to provide the market an option for a self-custodial cloud. Um, yeah, and this was just the birth of the decentralized finance and the decentralized applications finally coming to, to reality. And Akash was there to provide an infrastructure that's unstoppable and that's non-custodial. Um, and that's uh, very aligned with the, with, the, with the revolution, right? Now, as we uh, evolve to a lot more complex applications uh, and uh, a lot more complex needs when it comes to competition, uh, we are finally able to solve a supply problem for, for machine learning with, with GPUs, right? So with each step of the way, as we progress through our roadmap, we are able to solve critical problems um, uh, for the industry and the market we are, we are going after. and. Uh, and GPUs were also, uh, it was just not about just having GPUs, right? So we, uh, you know, worked so far to enable a data intensive applications, uh, machine learning being one of them. And the characteristics for these data intensive uh, applications tend to be uh, large disk, right? So we had to introduce a persistent storage uh, before getting GPUs. Um, you know, being able to easily discover applications was critical to send uh, data packets. So we had to introduce IP addresses. So a lot of features we had to build up coming up to GPUs. And there, there are going to be a lot more features to make these GPUs a lot better. But the, the reason why it took so long was, well, without these features, the GPUs are going to be pretty useless. And also the, the drivers and the capability to run GPUs successfully on Kubernetes is very, very new, right? So we have to work extremely hard, uh, sometimes even invent new things to even enable these GPUs on Kubernetes. So we finally have it. We finally have, we finally made Kubernetes uh, function very well with GPUs. So it took an incredible amount of work, uh, almost four years of work to, to get here. So I'm, I'm super happy that, uh, you know, with, with, with the launch of Incentivized Testnet, which is, has been a tradition, for Akash, really, uh, if you think about it, right? We we launch mainnets uh, with a solid confirmation and a solid, um, you know, evidence that it has endured. The network has endured battles, they endured stress, and can uh, be viable for production and machine for machine critical applications. So, as a tradition, we always have incentivized testness. We did that with the first uh, platform launch. Uh, the if you remember the Akashians, right? That was in twenty um, around nine, 2019, 2020 timeframe, um, and that was massively successful. We had thousands of people using it, and hundreds of providers providing compute, and that gave us incredible amount of uh, confidence and data to to launch a mainnet, right? And that tradition we're continuing, and we launched this incentivized testnet uh, before we can launch the mainnet six. Or release the main next text to the public. So um, you know, so far, I mean, Anil will, will dive deeper into our different statistics as to how people are using it. We're super excited and super, uh, super looking forward to main sticks. I think from the looks of it, uh, the the testnet is performing extremely well as designed. We 
haven't seen any surprises so far. Uh, providers are providing compute and 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 uh, we're able to do amazing things. So with that, handing off to to Adam. Cool. Thanks a lot, Greg. That was fantastic. So um, we want to cover a little bit about what's going on with the testnet that's currently underway. Some of the tasks. What are the goals of the testnet? So I want to hand it over to Anil Murdy, the head of product for Overclock Labs, to dive into the testnet. You've been really the the key driver behind some of the tasks, the goals, what this testnet looks like. So I thought you'd be the perfect person to kind of cover uh, what people can expect if they want to get involved. Thanks, Adam. Hey, everyone. Uh, great to be here and, and super happy to see that the testnet is finally up and running as of, um, or the testnet has been running for a while, but the incentivized testnet up and running as of this Monday. So super excited for that. And it's been a huge team effort on our side, like a bunch of people involved, both from the core team, as well as from the, what are called the insiders. And if you're not familiar with what the insiders are, they're a team of um, people from the Akash community that are deeply technical and are super involved in a lot of things that we do uh, from a community perspective. So huge thanks to our whole team as well as the insiders for getting all this going off the ground right off the bat. Um, to touch on, you know, sort of the the overall plan and the architecture of this incentivized testnet and to sort of build on what Greg said before, which is, you know, Akash and Overclock Labs both um, have had this tradition of running uh, testnets before any mainnet launch, and in many cases, running incentivized testnets. And uh, and so this is kind of sort of keeping up that tradition, but then at the same time, uh, we have some very, very specific goals that we're trying to hit with this as well. Um, so what I'll do is I'll sort of talk about sort of the really high level goals, and then talk about uh, the specific tasks that we are in incentivizing in this testnet that sort of tie into the, those high level goals, right? So from a really high level perspective, uh, there's kind of goals across three areas. So there's goals tied to um, sort of the engineering and technical portion of uh, running GPUs on the Akash network. Uh, then there are product goals, which is sort of how do we advance the product and how do we drive adoption of um, Akash network and all the different types of services that we offer on it. And then the third is sort of the marketing goals. Uh, and Cheng, who's probably going to go after me, is going to talk a little bit more about the marketing goals, but I'll touch on it very briefly. So. Um, sort of diving into each of those areas, uh, starting with the engineering and technical goals. Uh, this is probably the most important thing that we want to do right now with this testnet, is we want to make sure that uh, when we decide to upgrade the mainnet in about, let's say, a month uh, time frame from now, month or a month and a half from now, uh, we are fairly, we are super, super confident that uh, nothing's going to break when we actually upgrade mainnet. And so that's kind of the number one goal. And so what that means is uh, validating all the code changes that uh, our team has made, as well as you know, a lot of community contributions as well, uh, both on the provider side, as well as on the deployments uh, side. So meaning for people that are wanting to spin up providers using GPUs, making sure that um, the code for that is solid, we're able to handle all sort of the edge cases, uh, support the kinds of models of GPUs that we hope to support right now, right off the, off the gate uh, with the mainnet. And, and then on the deployment side, making sure that People are trying to deploy people that are trying to deploy the most common types of workloads on these GPUs, which you know right now obviously is the AI type of workloads or machine learning workloads. Making sure that those are successful and they can be run on Akash network without a significant amount of burden. Um, those are kind of the high level, super high level uh, engineering and technical goals that we want to get out of this. Uh, moving to the product goals, um, I look at it sort of mainly two ways. Uh, the one 
primary goal is to build out a provider pipeline. So meaning like uh, find people that are, uh, you know, not just interested in becoming providers on Akash, but are also capable of, of standing up a provider and maintaining it and, and making sure that it's reliable uh, and has the kinds of GPUs that the market demands and doing this in the testnet before we get to the mainnet. And so but sort of, you know, um, build out this pipeline of people that are going to participate in this testnet and then hopefully a significant portion of those become providers in the mainnet and we have a very healthy um, sort of set of providers that are providing GPU capacity when we get to the mainnet. That's kind of product goal number one. And then product goal number two is to essentially build out um, what are called uh, SDLs. So for those that are that have been in the Akash space for a while, you've probably, you're probably familiar with the SDL concept. It's basically uh, the template that we use to deploy any sort of workloads onto Akash. Uh, it's what we call the stack definition language. And so every time you're running a workload on Akash, you typically want to write one of these SDL files, which is which looks for the most part like a YAML file. And it specifies what sort of infrastructure you need to deploy your specific workload. And so what we want to try to do as part of this incentivized testnet is we want to build uh, a, a very healthy repository of uh, SDLs that are specifically tailored towards AI workloads. Um, so for those that have been in the community for a while, you may be familiar that we have this repository called the Awesome Akash Repository. It's on GitHub, so you can check it out at github.com slash akash-network slash awesome-akash. Uh, and this is basically a repository of all sorts of SDL files that you can use to deploy things like you know a simple um, a static web page or uh, something more complicated like a MySQL instance or a Postgres instance, um, anything of that sort. Uh, but what we're trying to do is we've been trying to build out uh, a bunch of SDLs around AI workloads, so whether it's you know open source AI models that get released every so often, or um, you know applications that are built on top of those models that are ready to use for anybody that wants to deploy them. Um, so that's kind of the second product goal is to build out more and more of these SDL models into the awesome Akash repository. And then moving on to the marketing goals, um, and Cheng will obviously dive a lot more deeper into this, but from my perspective, the way I look at it is basically, number one, uh, we want to drive a lot of content and awareness towards Akash. So, you know, for people that have been involved with Akash or that have checked out Akash, they realize, man, there's this huge um, uh, opportunity to not just, um, you know, utilize a cloud that is decentralized, and is in many cases significantly lower cost than some of the alternatives that are out there, but then also an opportunity for somebody to become a provider, right? Uh, but the, the the reality of it is that there's a very small subset of people that actually even are aware of Akash. And so trying to drive more awareness uh, is one of the goals that we're trying to get out of this. And it's an awesome way to do it because uh, we think that we can sort of utilize all the momentum that we're getting from the testnet to um, you know create a lot of buzz around social media. Uh, for uh, Akash and make the Akash plan even stronger than it is now. Um, and then uh, the second sort of goal I look at from a marketing perspective is to generate demand for both the provider side as well as on the on the deployment side. So, you know, sort of taking again the same idea of if you have, if you drive awareness, a certain portion of those people that become aware of Akash decide to take the next step and investigate either setting up a provider or uh, deploying their first workload. And so trying to drive that pipeline is, is kind of the second goal. Uh, and then uh, last but not the least is try to position ourselves, uh, you know, as sort of the uh, the cloud, if you will, for, um, uh, you know, decentralized AI workloads. If you So that's kind of the main high level goals, the way I look at them. Uh, so then sort of 
taking those high level you know engineering product and marketing goals and uh, translating them into how we would um, operationalize it the way we have thought about this is uh, sort of in two phases uh, for the testnet so the testnet the duration of the entire testnet is about 3 weeks and uh, uh, we have sort of split that into two phases where the first phase of it sort of builds the things necessary for the second phase um so the ultimate goal in the second phase is for people to be able to deploy uh, various types of ai workloads um and uh, essentially exercise the network from a tenant perspective but in order for that to be successful we need to make sure there are two things in place before we get to there so the first thing we need to make sure is in place is that there should be a healthy number of uh, providers that are offering gpu compute capacity on the testnet and then we need some sort of reference applications ideally of the ai workload types uh that people can utilize then to sort of exercise and deploy onto akash right um so that so with that in mind essentially the first phase of um the incentivized testnet is squarely focused on just getting providers onto the testnet and so the one that started on monday uh and that's going to run pretty much through the entire 3 weeks is um basically the goal of getting people to deploy uh or set up providers uh with gpu capacity uh and so that's kicked off on monday and i'm super happy to report that um uh, in fact i should say it's not even kicked off on monday it's kicked on tuesday because monday was actually a federal holiday so um in just two days we have already gotten 11 providers online so huge huge uh, community effort and huge thanks to everybody that participated in the uh, provider testnet already and has stood up all these providers so that's 11 providers that are providing gpu compute capacity that are already on this incentivized testnet right now um so what we're hoping is that um uh, you know by the end of this testnet we should at least double or triple that that count if not more and so super excited about that um so that's going to kick off and then starting next monday we're going to kick off the next uh, task which is people that want to build these sdl reference applications or sdl uh, reference sdl templates that sit inside awesome akash we're going to start incentivizing uh those users to start working on the testnet and starting starting to build these sdl templates so that's going to kick off next monday and it's going to go on for uh, the rest of the testnet essentially uh and uh, and then once that is you know spun up and the providers continue to spin up two weeks from approximately two weeks from today uh two mondays from today essentially uh hopefully we'll be at a point where we have a whole bunch of providers that are providing gpu capacity and then a whole bunch of sdl files that are references for how people can deploy any sort of ai models any sort of ai reference applications that sort of thing and then the very last week is going to be focused on just getting people that are you know maybe not familiar with akash at all maybe deploying for the first time to say hey here is a reference uh, template that you can use here is a set of clients that you can use to deploy on akash and here are a bunch of providers that are providing gpu capacity to you and so now think of a scenario where somebody who has never used akash before just comes online and he hears about he or she hears about this testnet jumps into discord and then within a few minutes is able to deploy um an ai application like llama or something else on the testnet and then see the value of that and then hopefully we have a new person that is converted into an future akash user on the mainnet and potentially a customer down the road as well um so that's kind of the overall goals um just to reiterate again the the tasks the first task over here is so there's there's a total of six tasks within the testnet the very first task is uh, setting up a provider the second task is building out these sdl uh, templates that will sit inside the awesome akash repository the the third task is um building out essentially what are called um, 
uh, or essentially is what's called deployment of SDLs. So, uh, and then within those deployment of SDLs, there's sort of two types of deployments. There are deployments that are of gen generalized applications. So just, you know, deploying something that maybe for just for fun, just to uh, get familiar with Akash, or uh, if it's a specific application that uh, you are looking to stand up or you have stood up in a different cloud and you're trying to stand it up in Akash, that's a good time to do it uh, as part of that third task. Um, and then the fourth task is what we're calling a benchmarking task. So it's what we're calling an SDL benchmarking task. So the idea here is that uh, we would use PyTorch and TensorFlow, which are basically the two most commonly used uh, benchmarking frameworks for GPUs and for AI models. Uh, so we would use PyTorch, or we would have the users of the testnet use PyTorch and, and TensorFlow, and uh, essentially run benchmarking experiments on um, the various GPU providers that are stood up. And uh, hopefully that will generate uh, the kind of content that will then be utilized by our marketing team uh, for uh, you know sort of doing similar things like you've seen from the traditional cloud providers who talk about, you know, we have ran a bunch of benchmark tests across these different types of GPUs, and this is the sort of data that we've produced. Um, so that's kind of the intention with task number four, which is SDL benchmarking. And then the last two tasks, which are task five and task six, these are purely uh, educational and social. So task number five is about creating video content that will be shared um, on platforms like YouTube. Uh, and so the idea here is that um, you know, people that have set up a provider have the opportunity of creating a little bit of video content uh, to show others how they can set up a provider on Akash. And uh, there's an incentive tied to that. And then people that have created either an SDL template or have deployed an Akash maybe for the first time uh, have the opportunity of creating video content around that and sharing it on the social media as well. Uh, and then the very last one is probably the simplest of all these tasks, uh, which is, you know, if you have done any of these things, uh, even if it's something as simple as uh, deploying, you know, a simple AI um, model onto Akash using a reference application, uh, sharing that in social media like Twitter uh, has a small amount of incentive tied to that as well. So, so essentially, those are the six tasks, and the goal is to try to get through these tasks in somewhat of a sequential fashion uh, over the next uh, two and a half, three weeks, essentially. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of the general summary of it. I'm sure there'll be a lot of questions. So. Um, I think the next up is Cheng, who's going to talk a little more about the marketing and financial side of all this. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Neil. Fantastic updates. So as a reminder, um, if you guys do have questions, feel free to make a, a speaker submission request and I will get you in at the end of Cheng's update. But um, yeah, thank you. Fantastic update, Anil. So yeah, Cheng, uh, we'd love to hear from you a little bit more about um, some of the marketing goals Anil was mentioning and then uh, talking about some of the fun stuff. What are the incentives people can look forward to for participating in uh, the GPU testnet? You got it. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Neil, And thank you, Greg. Good morning, everybody, or afternoon, evening, wherever you are tuning into Arturo Spaces here. We haven't done one of these in a while, so it's really good to, I think, be back on live and um, give everybody opportunity to hear our voices, show off what we've been working on. A lot of effort has been put in um, across the entire organization and the community that's been contributing. It's It's been the momentum, I think, uh, is, is self-evident in terms of what we've been seeing um, and, and just like the fervor in the community, I think is extremely palpable. Something I don't think we've really felt uh, in a long time. So it's, it's definitely good to come out of this season, I feel like, um, with, with all this momentum. Diving into more of the specifics now, as far as like the, the goals stated, and you know, I think summed it up quite well. Um, I do want to take a little bit of a different spin at it, which is ultimately what are we trying to achieve? If you think about what Akash Network, Overclock Labs here, you know, as um, 
all blockchain web three projects, what is that kind of the the vaunted word is adoption, right? Um, and ultimately adoption means reaching just more than the web three um, and blockchain crowd. Though we were kind of um, born in this particular crucible, we definitely want to reach out. Um, adoption and and really wouldn't, I don't think reach the scale that we want ultimately a cost network to be and to achieve true utility. And so in that vein, this entire test net and, and going into the main net, we ultimately want to demonstrate our real use cases grounded in utility, right? That's first and, and foremost, as far as the goal. Um, and of course there, that's just very high generalistic and all the elements that Neil has kind of painstakingly gone through and Greg as well, will be in support of that particular goal. But that is uh, essentially, if you kind of were to pull back and ask, you know, what is the the, the kind of grand scope and the purpose of all of this, um, right? You, you go out there and you go look at some of our competitors and just other things that you see in the Web3 space. It's, it's extremely um, limited as far as adoption goes. Um, the reach is very limited as well. We're kind of speaking to the same group of people, you know, ourselves over and over again, and we're not really reaching a new audience. So with uh, GPUs and all of the supporting and ancillary features that we've built over the years, we're finally at a point where we can foray very, with great confidence into the market outside of Web3 and blockchain and start to talk to developers, right, specifically now in AIML, um, and bring them into the fold and introduce them to what a of. And that's, you know, you've seen a lot of the stuff that we've thus far been, the stuff that we've been working on over the last couple of weeks, um, demonstrating, right, hey, this can run on Akash, this can run on X, you know, A100s on Akash, this can run on this GPU on Akash, and just demonstrating that, look, everything you can do by you, I mean, traditional cloud, I suppose, right, we can do as well. Um, and that has, a, I think, really strong resonating point. And just to be able to see that, look, the cloud parity isn't something just we talk about on our roadmap, but it's actually a tangible goal we can achieve. Um, and finally, I would say in terms of the organization and how we operate together as, as a cohesive team is to generate from a marketing perspective, a flywheel of feedback for product and engineer, engineering, right? When we reach out to users, the more we get on either side of the market, whether you're a provider or a tenant, um, you generate an incredible amount of very valuable anecdotal data as well as analytics, right? Just to see, you know, where are things failing? What are the likes, dislikes? What um, uh, users prefer um, in any particular cohort will have different needs and demands. And to be able to feed that back into the product and engineering structure, right? And then a lot of this um, mechanism is really fueled by our uh, SIGs and working groups as well. And so, you know, shout out to our, our community and was, you know, tip of the spear there helping. And, and Tyler has been, you know, managing our entire, um, all of our community calls um, to make that happen. So, you know, kudos all around to, to everyone I just mentioned there and, and everyone in our community, the MVPs, as far as insiders and vanguards who have been participating uh, there as well. So that's, I'll wrap that bit up as far as, you know, our goals from marketing uh, team organization. Uh, how we kind of interplay with product and engineering and why that's important and ultimately driving through to demonstrate real use cases grounded in utility, um, ultimately, hopefully, leading to uh, very wide adoption outside of just the Web3 sphere. Um, in terms of the uh, incentives, you guys have seen, um, everyone has seen here, I think we have over uh, $100,000 worth of AKT that we're putting up as an incentivized test net, right? That number one is to, I think, drive and, and reward people for their time and effort to do something very difficult and often cases new. Um, that's first and foremost. And two, of course, is to um, drive notoriety, right? Uh, and, and, and drive participation. 
And finally, in terms of, I know there's been a lot of back and forth, at least in, in my little echo chamber um, within Discord and talking to some members of our community, a little bit of, you know, question and contention, I would say around, you know, how do we derive some of the incentives, right? And often a lot of these things are part educated guesses and part research and kind of merging all of that together. So granted, not the, the incentives aren't uh, completely perfect according to uh, certain opinions and thoughts, but I think that the important thing not to lose force for the trees is to realize this is a effort to get as much um, many people coming onto a cause providing compute, right? Specifically GPU resources, um, number one, number two, to drive the building of STLs and benchmarking so that we can make those very precise price performance measurements um, along apples to apples comparison lines. And so having that information to be able to lean on, right, um, publicly and, and be able to share that is going to be extremely useful and powerful. And it'll greatly inform how when provider incentives come online and AKT 2.0 starts to, you know, uh, that part of the AKT 2.0 rather starts to take shape, how that will all feed together. So uh, that's really how the incentives were derived. A lot of research, um, some educated guesses as far as, you know, uh, and then a little bit of in terms of preference, uh, what we want, right, as far as uh, uh, data center grade GPUs versus consumer grade GPUs. So that about wraps it up for me. Back to you in the newsroom, Adam. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Shane. Great update. Um, so I want to open it up at this time to community questions. So if you do have questions, feel free to make a speaker request and I'll get you involved. But to kind of kick things off, I wanted to ask maybe a question just for the panel here and feel free anyone to jump in. But I think a lot of folks maybe haven't participated in a test net before. They're maybe unclear on how to get started, where they should go. I wanted to see if you guys had any best tips or tricks on where to get started to kind of learn a little bit more about Akash GPUs, about what the test net is all about. Where should people head to kind of jump into this test net and look for support, feedback, advice? I'll kind of kick that off to the panel as a first question, but um, while you guys are answering, for anyone listening in, feel free to make a speaker request and we'll get you involved in today's conversation. So um, yeah, feel free, any one of you to jump in, cover some things that we were just chatting about or uh, answer the question on how folks can kind of get involved. Well, the best place to get involved is akash.network slash gpu-testnet. Or if you go to akash.network, you'll see a gigantic banner on top, say sign up for and participate in earned rewards. Uh, in that, you will be able to find links to, uh, you know, further drill down um, um, the uh, the the different tasks and whatnot. Excellent, thank you, Greg. So, do we have any questions from the audience today? It looks like we have around fifty-eight or so people that are part of the conversation. Um, oh, and it looks like we got a speaker here. Go ahead, uh, Pranav, go ahead and introduce yourself and ask your question. Hey, sure thing. Um, <clears throat> thanks for hosting this. Uh, just for context, I'm not uh, a technical person, so I apologize that this is a very basic question. But um, if I'm an application builder, if I'm an AI app builder, and currently I'm using one of the hyperscalers for my application, and eventually I want to migrate to using Akash, how do I think about the magnitude of cost savings to me, but then what is also the trade-off for like inference work in terms of you know latency or things like that? Good question. So it's uh, really depends on the type of application and the scale of application we're talking about, right? But if you are deploying any modern, uh, let's say, fine-tuning or inference, you tend to need the best GPUs, right? Most advanced GPUs, and they happen to be H100s and A100s. Right now, it's 
no, it's impossible to get them on the cloud. Like if you actually go to huggingface.com and try to deploy a model on Amazon or Google, uh, the option to deploy on A100s is uh, blacked out. It's not available right now. So uh, the best place to get an A100, H100 will be Akash Network uh, because of the model that we have to, to source GPUs. So when it comes to high density, high-end GPUs, it's no longer about cost, it's about access. So Akash is the only place uh, for you to get access to high-end GPUs. I don't think you have much option uh, to deploy anywhere else. So given that's the case, when it comes to non-high demand, high-end GPUs, like you know the smaller ones like A6, A, you know, uh, 6 series, 6,000 series, 5,000 series, and, and V100 series, uh, the cost difference is really you know enormous, right? So we're talking about anywhere from sixty to seventy percent, and the reason for this is you know, not this very little demand for these chips uh, compared to the high end ones, and there's enormous amount of supply for these chips. And then you go down the uh, uh, further, go down the uh, the uh, demand sort of like uh, a preference, uh, and you go to AMD chips. AMD chips are not the best chips for machine learning, but they can they do have very fast processors. So if you have a program that's optimized around AMD, you know Akash is significantly cheaper because uh, most of the AMD chips uh, were used for crypto miners, uh, crypto mining, and now post Ethereum merge, uh, the demand for these chips has significantly dropped. So uh, you know we're um, we're working with uh, with providers that have enormous supply of uh, these chips, and they're looking to get some sort of relief for these chips because there's really no other way to get relief. So uh, in that case, I think the discounts are going to be significantly uh, higher. We're talking about 80% cheaper. When it comes to compute, uh, CPU compute right now, again, depends on type of CPUs and depends on um, you know the scale, right? But right now, for most applications uh, uh, that, that, you know, that can run decently in a production uh, environment, uh, we're talking about maybe serving up to like let's say a billion requests a day, right? Just a hypothetical uh, request. We're talking about API requests a day, right? For an application like that, you can very well host Nakash, and uh, the cost advantage you're looking at maybe right now I think it's like seventy five percent to eighty percent cheaper, right? So the trade offs, the the big trade off you're going to notice is uh, availability and 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 uh, and uh, uh, variability in prices. So when you go to on-demand uh, pricing or pretty much to any cloud-based providers, you get a consistent pricing. Where Akash is auction-based model. So it's first come, first serve, highest bidder sort of like wins the wins the amount. So you get the variability of pricing. And uh, so you have to design your application to take advantage of the variable pricing. And second is you get uh, you do not get the QA, quality of service uh, consistency across different providers because Akash is like is a marketplace and anybody with compute can pretty much sell uh, the computer in Akash. Uh, you get a wide variety of quality of service. Some providers that are high-end like Equinix of the world obviously have top tier uh, you know, uh, quality of service. And uh, if you want to choose Equinix, so you, you can choose as, as a user and deploy your applications there. But other applications, uh, other providers like Joe's Data Center, I mean, I don't want to point out any single provider here, but there, there are 450 providers right now on Akash. With GPUs, we anticipate that's going to be much higher. The quality of service is going to be much lower. So your application has to 
be flexible in understanding and selecting uh, the price performance that you require, right? So for example, uh, and also privacy guarantees you require. So it's a different way of deploying on, on Akash. So you really need to be aware of these things. Uh, and so the big trade-off, I would say like to summarize, uh, Akash is extremely powerful if you know what you're doing, but can be extremely frustrating to use if you don't know what you're doing, right? So it's, it's a very powerful engine that gives you incredible primitives for you to customize, get you to scale, uh, really take advantage of this incredible low cost or access, right? But you really need to know how to use it. Uh, and if you come with the same mindset of deploying an application exactly like you would deploy on a traditional cloud, uh, you, you know, Akash might be give you surprises that may that you may not like, right? But if you really understand, okay, this is a very powerful thing. It gives you a lot more optionality than you would you you would get on a traditional cloud, and you come with that mindset, uh, you end up with with an amazing product, right? So so that's why. Right now, quite a lot of emphasis uh, is on clients for Akash, uh, different clients like uh, Fleek, Speron, CloudMod, uh, Akash Console, and different user interfaces. Uh, they all are optimizing for certain use cases, so certain workflows, right? For example, Fleek is optimizing to deploy Web3 dApps, right, on Akash, the front ends and whatnot, because, you know, you're, as a Web3 you know, front-end developer, you probably are used to using one of the traditional uh, Web2 tools like Vercells or Netlify, Netlify so the world. You have that sort of expectation when it comes to experience and quality of service. So Fleek uh, understands this need and developing a product that can run on Akash on the backend, but gives you similar levels of uh, experience that you would or experience with a Web2 product. Similarly, uh, Speron and CloudMoss and Overclock Labs the company that created Akash Network, we are working in a similar uh, approach of, of uh, having workflows to optimize for machine learning uh, developers, where machine learning developers do not need to uh, you know, change too much from what they're used to using their traditional cloud, but rather just come with that sort of mindset and overclock labs. So you know, the, the product we're building will address a lot of these sort of like educational gaps that you require to use Akash. So there is significant amount of trade-offs, and uh, you know, so you need to understand those trade-offs and or or work around them. Hope that addresses the question. It does. I might have a couple of follow-ups if that's okay, sure. or if someone else wants to speak. I'm happy oh, to let them I, know. I can. I had a question. So can I? Can I go? Ahead? Do, is oh, it okay? Go, okay. Yeah. Yeah. For, for, yeah, Pranav, go ahead and ask your follow-ups and um, strange, strange loop. We'll we'll get to you right after. Great, thank you. Um, so, so one of the things you kind of said that in the earlier part of that um, commentary was it's impossible to get H one hundreds, A one hundreds, which we all sort of seem to see in the news flow as well. Um, but if I was an application developer building on, I guess GPT four or you know stable diffusion or whatever large model that's out there. How does it work? Do I have to source my own compute as a builder or do I get to, or do those uh, like, you know, this open AI in that case sort of help you get compute? And would, the, would are you trying to attract those application developers or are you talking more about getting developers who are building on some other language model that's on hugging face? Yeah, good question. So there are two main categories in AI in general, generally speaking. One category is hosted closed models. And the both best model is GPT-4 by OpenAI. So OpenAI 
uh, unfortunately, there's nothing open about OpenAI. It's a it's a it's a it's a company, um, and it has a for-profit arm, and they are are arguably, you know, have the most advanced, you know, LLM out there, which is GPT-4, and you pay them um, and for access to the API, and you build on that API. It's it's amazing. It's really really advanced, and uh, the challenges is extremely slow. And you know, you if you build a product on OpenAI, you're just an API wrapper on top of OpenAI, and it's the the defensibility for your product is very minimal because OpenAI can pretty much do anybody can do what you can do essentially in OpenAI, right? So, and it doesn't really allow for fine tuning, it doesn't really allow for customization, it doesn't do a lot of things as a product builder you need. I mean, it's quick to iterate on OpenAI. Uh, but it's very, very expensive to build a product on OpenAI, right? Uh, so what people tend to do is they tend to, you know, play around with OpenAI, but when it comes to building a product, they tend to host their own model. Usually they choose an open source model. Now, the open source models are not as advanced as OpenAI, but they're getting there really, really quickly, right? So some models that we saw, like, like Llama, which was introduced by... Meta and a LLM on top of Llama, uh, which is uh, called Alpaca, that was introduced by uh, you know um, Stanford, uh, which is basically GPT three, right? And there's GPT three point five versions. There's GPT almost GPT as good as GPT four versions. All open source models, primarily hosted on uh, Hugging Face, right? So what product builders tend to do is they experiment with OpenAI, but really when it comes to building products, they use one of these open source products and you know train on or fine tune on those products and have your own embeddings and that's how you kind of get this ip that adds defensibility to your product right and the second trend we're seeing is opening a gpt4 is so advanced the products are unable to catch up or even leverage its uh, advanced capability so the products are not moving as fast as models are evolving so there's an incredible gap between, okay, well, GPT-4 is amazing, right? We all use chat GPT. The chatbot use case obviously is amazing, right? Chatbots are essentially a very highly saturated like market. Every big company, Microsoft arguably is building chatbots into all the products. So as a product builder, you're not going to compete with Microsoft on a chatbot. So you have to build something else. And what that something else is questionable, right? Using GPT-4. Uh, so there's sort of like, advancement of products is not very aligned with the advancement of LLMs. And that's one of the reasons why I believe OpenAI said that they're going to stop, uh, they're going to pause training GPT-5 because they got to figure out a product from GPT-4, right? So uh, so there's this like questionable, like why why, is, why do we need more advanced GPT, uh, you know, GPTs uh, while the products are not being built. So. So and but there are other specialized products, right? Multimodalism, all that is happening, but they're happening on a lower sort of like uh, less advanced models, which is basically you know three point five and plus, right? Even in a stable diffusion that happens to be open, uh, there's even like models evolving out of stable diffusion, like control net and whatnot, that are kind of diverging between you know that are you know kind of like evolving in the in the diffusion side of things, right? Diverging from the traditional uh, LLMs, so. Uh, so yeah, so the what it comes down to is like, if you are a product builder uh, and if you're a startup that raised 
you know, venture back startup, usually building products, the likeliness of you owning your model, that means open source model, owning your weights, owning your embeddings, owning your, uh, you know, uh, your IP on top of that is the trend that we are seeing. And for that trend, you need GPUs and usually high-end GPUs. Makes a ton of sense. I apologize. I dropped off for a couple of seconds. I don't know what happened to my service, but um, that makes a lot of sense. I guess the last question I would have um, is there, uh, you talked about trade-offs a little bit and sort of the learning curve for developers. Mm -hmm. is, is there a trade-off on latency and speed on the inference side when I, if I'm using a hyperscaler versus say a provider on Akash? Uh, that varies, right? So really a provider on Akash, like uh, if you choose some someone like uh, Equinix, right? So Equinix is the provider for Amazon and Google itself, right? So they are the underlying provider. Uh, on Akash, you can directly get Equinix. So when you choose something like Equinix, you're going to get faster, uh, lower latency than Amazon of the world, actually. Uh, so, but if you use something else, you're going to have higher latency. In fact, we're, uh, you know, we're also seeing some of the Amazon, um, you know, services, Amazon data centers on Akash itself. And, and the reason for that is a lot of times, you know, because GPUs are very, very hard to get, the Amazons and the Googles and Microsofts of the world reserved high-end GPUs to high-paying customers, usually contract customers. And a lot of times, machine learning companies are signing these contracts just to get access to the high-end GPUs. If not, there's really no other way for them, right? So, I mean, like, if you try to even raise money without a contract with Amazon, you, you will not be able to. That's why you see VCs like Nate Fillman and all these people offering H100s as a service to the portfolio companies because it's really hard to get, get access to these H100s. So people are doing anything they can to get just, just access to H100s. So a lot of times you're seeing these machine learning companies signing these contracts that are unable to fulfill their, because these contracts are timed and they had to, there's a commitment as to how much usage you need to incur uh, to meet the contract uh, terms. They're unable to meet these terms, so they're looking for alternative ways to offer the compute. So Akash happens to be a perfect secondary market for this compute, right? And, and Amazon and Google are happy because they're able to keep their customers happy. So we're seeing a trend now where Amazon compute and even Google compute will be on, Ak will be on Akash. So you get the same compute just for cheaper because of the secondary market. Uh, so yes, uh, so to answer your question, it, it re I mean, I don't think you're going to see much of a difference in terms of latency on providers on Akash versus uh, versus your traditional cloud. And Akash is a marketplace, so right? it's not a it's not a cloud provider. So it's a marketplace for cloud providers, so anyone with cloud grade compute. So that includes Amazon's and Google's of the world. Makes sense. Thank you. Uh, thanks for the questions. Great questions, Pranav. Thank you so much. Um, I know we had another hand up, and I can't see them. I think they might have jumped Hi, off. Uh, but um, what? Oh, there you go. Uh, yes, go ahead. Strangely, feel free to introduce yourself and uh, ask your question for our sure, family. Sure. Thank you. Uh, yeah, there was some glitch, uh, and I, I had to come back again, just like the previous speaker. Um, hi, Craig. Uh, uh, nice to uh, talk to you again after. I think it's been uh, over a year. Uh, since I talked to you uh, for my podcast, um, Build Crypto, uh, I'm a technical, former technical person converted into a podcaster, occasional podcaster, I would say. Uh, and uh, so great to hear all this. I did sign up for the testnet, so I have uh, some questions around that. Um, all right. 
So uh, is it okay? Can I go ahead? Sure. Yeah, okay. go for it. Uh, awesome. So, uh, Craig, uh, in um, see the previous iterations of uh, Akash, uh, there were um, focus on compute and storage, and uh, the case, the thesis was, and it's a very good thesis in, in terms of the additional over provisioning by data centers, right? Um, that you know they have the access of storage and compute, a and for GPUs, um, does that same thesis sort of plays out in terms of? I think you just mentioned just now something about it, so that was my first question, uh, and then I have just a follow up to that. Um, yeah. So your first. So if I had to repeat your question. Uh, the th original thesis is unused capacity on Akash, but since the demand for GPU is so high, uh, how does that become unused capacity? And where is this GPU is coming from? Is that is that accurate? Uh, yes, correct, correct. Awesome. So, good question. So, different sources of GPUs for Akash. Let's let's address the high-end GPUs, and then uh, then we go down in for non-high-end GPUs. Right. So for the high-end GPUs, what we are seeing is. Since it's extremely hard to get H100s and A100s on, uh, you know, in an open market, people have been buying up these chips for a very long time. You see machine learning companies, large machine learning companies, buying these chips up and holding on to them for, for when they need them. In fact, any new, uh, you know, chips uh, like NVIDIA introduced, like H100s, right, uh, were, the orders were placed like years on out, right? So, so people are holding on to them just to when, when they need them. And now, uh, you know, they don't normally need them all the time, machine learning companies. So for them, for companies like the, uh, them, when they, when, you know, they have to use when they need them, Akash provides a secondary market to get liquidity in the meanwhile. So Akash is the only way, uh, the only, only way at least, to to uh, you know keep your chips keep your H one hundreds, but lease them out uh, when you're not using them, right? So retain ownership and get liquidity. It's like having a very attractive rental property in the middle of New York City that you want to get on Airbnb instead of sitting idle. So that's that's the analogy, right? The second uh, source we're getting from is cloud providers themselves, people that have contracts with cloud providers that are unable to fulfill those contracts. So those who are the biggest sources for high-end chips on Akash, right? And, and uh, I mean, you also have some other, uh, you know, folks that have these chips in, you know, smaller offices or professionals that are, you know, running on like Lambda Labs, uh, you know, uh, workstations that are just sitting idle. Uh, we have those as well. So we see quite a lot of that in the testnet. For the other types of chips that are not H100s and A100s, uh, enormous amounts of chips were purchased for Ethereum mining, right? So we're, we're talking about massive businesses. These are, some of them are public businesses, public companies, um, sitting on like millions of chips that, uh, you know, account to our inventory uh, that weren't mining ETH and that are not mining anymore. So Akash gives them a secondary market uh, option to list those chips. Um, and third, and, and second type of, uh, you know, uh, miners are a lot of operating systems, right? So a lot of operating systems um, that miners use 
to uh, mine, uh, you know, were using to, or in fact, still use to mine, are uh, uh, these miners are looking for new ways to earn, uh, you know, uh, earn revenues, right? Because Ethereum mining is gone. So these are like Tesla V100s. We're seeing 6,000 series, 5,000 series, whatnot. They're really good chips, by the way. Not as not as good as the H100s and A100s, but they're very, very powerful chips. So we are looking, uh, you know, I think one of the integrations we're doing is, is with this, with some of the miners, uh, mining operating systems so that miners can easily install the, you know, these, uh, these OSs and just start selling their, their, their GPUs, right? Uh, and then the final category are arbitrages. Arbitrages are not, uh, because there's a demand for GPUs and we, we see this happen last time with crypto as well. So a lot of these people are just like buying the ships and hanging on to them. Uh, so Akash gives them a way to, uh, you know, offload that uh, or like, you know, offer that and earn, uh, you know, uh, uh, passive income on, on those uh, those chips that are not being used and reclaim them or sell them when you need to. Right. So there's five different types of sources we're looking at uh, sourcing GPUs on Akash. OK, I had a quick follow up. So, uh, Greg, I signed up for the GPU testnet and I have uh, I'm in the range of like eight. 6000s and 5000s i mean i'm not in the h100s because they you know they they become cost prohibitive for individuals so that's yeah. uh, thanks for the um the overview of that and so yeah they're lying around and since you know chia and you know i've done a lot of chia uh plotting as well and now they're coming up with the gpu compressed plots so i'll be using my gpus for that and for akash and i used your cloud service uh, for plotting as well um what i was trying to get at is um do you see um so i know the price point is a flat price point since i've used akash and it's wonderful it works great for um you know anything that you want cheap hosting on from wordpress sites to you know any sort of job that you want to do uh, get done do you see a future where <clears throat> see some of the gpu workloads that are uh, I would say not time sensitive, but say like almost like a background jobs running being done on 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 Akash because uh, you know if the whole cluster looks like a one giant big GPU or like are they able to connect into one sort of um, um, you know access all these different uh, GPUs? Do you see that happening? Like that that's another probably probably you mentioned that or probably um, I kind of missed uh, hearing. Uh, that like jobs that are in the background that are say parallelized jobs uh, that could be run on these um, say not high end but at least a six thousands and five thousands. Yeah, so model parallelism really depends on the you know the application that's parallelizing, right? So Akash is you know fantastic for batch optimized workloads. Uh, much more so than latency sensitive workloads, right? Because reclamation, all that is just really good uh, when you don't have to like serve the request very quickly, right? So Akash is great for batches, bad jobs. And that's why machine learning is is extremely good on Akash uh, because it doesn't have the latency sens sensitivity. So to, but how you parallelize a model, uh, it, it, you know, it really depends on, you know, your batch sizes, your model parameter sizes, your your you know whether you're using a 
gradient compression. And there's so many factors that come into like how you can model, parallelize a model. There's a lot of research out there. I highly recommend you, you look at it. But yes, you can you can do that in Akash, right? And Akash is probably one of the best places because it gives you access to so much uh, variety of GPUs that you can optimize for. Um, so like, um, does Akash provide you that capability of a homogenous like GPU clustering? Uh, not to a point where you think like it's a gigantic GPU. You still know that there is a data center with an IP address uh, that can host this GPU, right? It, it doesn't give you this like homogenous layer where the scheduling happens uh, on this like magical control plane, right? There are other softwares that can do that. There is, uh, an, I can't remember top of my height. Maybe Anil can help me out there. There is a uh, a software package we, we noticed recently that you can um, gives you GPUs over IP in the sense it can connect the GPUs that are spread across the world using IP and give you this gives you the homogenous uh, uh, the the you know interface. I believe you're trying that out on Akash, but that is bring your own software kind of model. Awesome. Akash in itself, the protocol doesn't give you that options, but but Akash's general purpose, you can pretty much put anything out there and, and paralyze your model that way. Uh, Anil, you want to extend? Thank you. I have a quick uh, comment uh, before Anil goes. Is, uh, yeah, you're right, Greg, about parallelization. I mean, that is something like, say, ray tracing tasks or, you know, all the um, <clears throat> rendering tasks are inherently parallel or some sort of concurrency mimicking parallelism. So, yeah, those could be easily done on these, you know, GPUs at a, at a fraction of the cost. So, thank you. No worries. Yeah, and just to expand on what uh, Greg said, so um, uh, so I think you called out uh, a really good point. Uh, the, the speaker, forget the name, sorry. But um, essentially, you know, if you're trying to go after people that want to do model training as opposed to model inference, then uh, basically you what you gain is that you don't have to offer a super high or a super low latency solution. But what you do have to offer is either a super high-end GPU or you know a couple of GPUs that are super high-end or alternatively, a massive cluster of lower-end GPUs, right? So that's basically what um, what we need to build out. And so there's essentially two ways we can go about doing that. Uh, we can have providers with a large number of GPUs uh, running on a single provider, which is kind of where we are right now. Uh, and to Greg's point before, we have access to this massive mining community that has these mid to lower-end GPUs like the Tesla V100s, the, the P4s, the T4s, the 3090s, so on and so forth. Um, if you know, if they have a large enough number of these GPUs and they want to send set them up as a single cluster in a given single physical location and bring them on as a provider today, that would be the best way for somebody to train, uh, you know, a, a model that uh, you know is not latency sensitive, uh, that they're willing to wait, you know, maybe an extra day or two for the training results to come back for a significant cost saving. So that's where we are today. Now, in the future. Uh, we're obviously so. I guess one thing worth calling out is uh, after we're done with this testnet, we're not done with GPUs by any means, right? So we have got a pretty long roadmap uh, in terms of features and things that we want to add for GPUs uh, way beyond this testnet as well. So this ranges from supporting different types of chip vendors, whether it's AMD or it's you know uh, Xilinx or it's you know whatever the the next thing might be. Maybe Intel starts to become more competitive in this area, and we need to support Intel. So there's a long uh, you know roadmap of supporting different types of vendors. Um, there is a roadmap around uh, the stuff that Greg called out, which is 
um, you know, finding ways for people that are running in existing cloud providers to be able to utilize the, um, uh, you know, the discounts or uh, to utilize the compute capacity or the GPU capacity that they have um, that is sitting around because they've sort of signed up for this um, uh, contract that is, you know, giving them a significant discount. So it's effectively like the original thesis of Akash, which is, you know, there's data centers out there that have unused compute capacity. Let's bring them on to this network, apply that same thesis, but now to the cloud operators who have um, customers who have paid this huge amount of money for these GPUs. So that's kind of the second thing. Uh, and then coming to the one that you highlighted, which is how do we now take these different providers that might have one or two GPUs each, but together could potentially form a cluster. And so one of the things that we're looking at there is uh, this concept of GPUs over IP. And uh, there's a few different people that are pursuing this as in terms of you know research as well as commercial products. Uh, one of them I'll call out is a company called Juice Labs. Um, so we haven't like formed any sort of partnership with them or anything of that sort. So don't quote me on this, but um, we have looked at their solution a little bit, and uh, you know it, it is exciting to the point where um, if we're able to at least demonstrate the fact that you can um, abstract uh, abstract away the physical separation of these GPUs in different data centers or in different people's locations and make them look like a single cluster um, at a higher level, that now gives us the ability to go out and say, you know, uh, here is a cluster of GPUs where the GPUs are maybe located in different physical locations, but they essentially look look to you like it's a single data center. And so if you want to be running your latency insensitive workloads and, you know, taking the tax for uh, an additional day or two days for uh, getting your training results, then you get a significant cost savings for using Akash in that scenario. A quick, a quick comment there, uh, Anil. Thanks for that. Um, so, you know, I was thinking another awesome use case. Uh, I don't know if you guys are already thinking is, um, you know, folks like uh, Cerebras, which make these giant AI accelerators, and I'm I'm seeing some new players in the market that have kind of a different architectural approach to GPUs, and their hardware, uh, like, there's no way to access that new capabilities or new hardware capabilities, which, you know, a uh, 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 super cloud like um, Akash can easily kind of include, which, you know, if they are optimized, like say, for example, Google's tensors are optimized for certain things, uh, certain other GPUs are optimized. I'm not sure how the market is kind of maturing on that end, but at the CPU level, I do see like uh, companies like Cerebras, uh, there's a bunch of other players that, um, offer a different kind of, um, you know, even at the hard, different kind of hardware even for, for these um, uh, accelerate, uh, you know, AI accelerators. But uh, I thought that would be, uh, that that's an interesting thing that I'm not sure if you guys are thinking in that direction or uh, something on in, in works. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up actually, because uh, that's absolutely one of the areas that we plan to investigate. So. Uh, just to step one level higher and talk about this in the context of um, you know overall performance. So there's basically two things that are happening, right? There is um, there is improvements happening on just the increasing the amount of compute that you can get into a GPU. So if you look at like the next generation of NVIDIA's chipsets, they make the H100 or the A100 look like it's you know it's a Intel 386 or something. So that's that's where they're going in terms of both the amount of on uh, chip memory that they can pack as well as the number of uh, you know teraflops of uh, uh, computation that they can do on a given chipset, right? So that's one area that's being pushed. The second area that's being pushed is by companies who are finding ways to make uh, clusters of CPUs run 
the same AI models to a comparable or a, or a um, somewhat comparable uh, performance standard as these GPUs can run. So there's companies like that you you pointed out, um, uh, you know, uh, the company what is the Cerebras, right? Uh, there is another company called Deeps uh, that Neural Magic that is producing a technology called Deep Sparse that uh, that I have played around with a little bit and some others have played around with as well. Uh, so what they are doing is something very similar to Cerebras and they're producing this. Uh, effectively, they have like this uh, equivalent of hugging face, but a much smaller version of it, where they've produced um, all the common AI models, uh, their version of them that can run on a cluster of CPUs. So we actually ran some of these before we had GPU support on our CPUs, and we know that it works. So you can, for example, run BERT, um, uh, uh, that is the version of BERT that is produced by uh, Neural Magic's Deep Sparse technology, and you can run this on like a two-core uh, CPU, and it'll work. You know, maybe it'll work a little bit slower than running it on a on a your Tesla V100 or something, but it'll work. And and so there's companies that are pushing that uh, side of it as well. Uh, and then last is the open source, uh, the, all the developments that are happening on the open source side with AI models. What's happening is basically people are producing, um, you know, these open source LLMs that may not be as capable as the ones produced by OpenAI. But then you have companies like uh, Langchain that give you the ability to um, chain together multiple LLMs and produce something that is uh, that meets your needs. And so the way we see all this bridging together is basically us, um, uh, you know, building a user experience where it becomes very easy for somebody to essentially take uh, one or more of these open source LLMs um, and very easily um, not have to, you know, go through the process of having to tokenize them manually and uh, tokenize their data sets manually and, and use it with these LLMs, but making that whole process of creating those embeddings really easily and chaining together these LLMs and then running them on... Um, uh, less than super high performing GPUs, or maybe even some cases CPUs, using some of these other technologies that we talked about. So that's kind of what we see happening in the next like one or two years, um, and that's going to not just drive demand for um, uh, for the GPUs, but also for our um, huge number of CPU providers that are out there. Yeah, there's a bunch of Risk Five uh, uh, Risk Five startups. To uh, one is from the Apple, um, I think CD founder or somebody. Uh, there's Esperanto, which are doing Risk Five accelerators, which will be awesome, actually. On uh, No other cloud provider could, I think, uh, be able to have a wide variety of these accelerators because uh, not everybody needs a, a NVIDIA H100, right, for like a like high cache um, uh, compute. I mean, these things will also be fantastic. Anyways, thank you. I don't want to hog the space, <laughs> so thanks. Great questions, um, Shrangeloop, and great questions, uh, Praneev, as well. So we're a little over on time, so I think we're going to wrap things up here today for this Twitter Spaces. I want to thank all of our guests for joining, and I want to give a special thanks to our panel, uh, Greg and Neil and Chang, for running and answering questions from the community all about Akash's GPU testnet. Um, to get involved and to learn more about Akash's GPU testnet, head over to our Discord channel where there's community members that can answer questions provide support and uh, get you guys more involved in what we're running. But um, again, I want to thank you all for joining today's event. And uh, as I always do, I'll say see you in the metaverse. Thanks for joining everybody. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, everyone.
like Taoism. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's just like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, like just inevitably it kind of starts to happen. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's just like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, inevitably it kind of starts to happen. Tripping on the bird app, listening to nerds flap, wondering why the fuck my timeline's so cursed. It's like everybody's holding heavy bags in Web3. That's why they can't fly, they just drowning in the bird bath, fishing for some dry powder. Watch how we ignite the tower, blowing up their bank accounts, forgetting how to fight the power. Y'all don't even realize how deep this shit goes. They preach an open sauce, but don't listen to the code, and now it's mutiny, community, uprise. There's no more humility, futility, plus size. Motherfuckers leaking from the wrench down to the bare metal. Which side the line you bleeding out on when the dust settles? Motherfucking west side shit, needle and noose. Sticking with my armory, Yam, Beto, and Bruce. Repping psychedelic artistry, believing the truth. Like these motherfuckers even need a reason to sue? GM fam. Really worth all the effort? Is it really worth all the fighting? Is it really worth all the drama? And the answer, I think, is a clear no. We started using Zoom, now we finna zoom out Teaching all these plebidites what this game's really all about Little baby bitches when they choose to have fits All you're left with is kibble when you lose all them bits And that kibble's just sawdust, The shit is all rust Not a great look, you're what we call all nuts And I for one did not see that coming Cracking open books, yo, that's a lot of money Meanwhile over here rewiring features More critical thinking, huh? Less knee jerk, more evolution, less shit coin preachers Pretending to be teachers, y'all just predatory leeches I mean please, just look at the track record A bunch of VC rap fucks sucking up the cheddar The recipe is two steps, rinse and repeat Now we all in your butts, and we bring in receipts GM fam, have a seat If you're listening to this, my, my plea to you would be like don't have, don't, don't have to take a side on it Just say like, is it really, is it really worth this war of attrition? It might cost us a lot more than what can be gained by like fighting this to the better end. And sometimes it's better to just like move on. Ten spaces.